Thank you for listening to the Passion Church Podcast. Our mission is to help you win by living a genuine Jesus-filled life. If you are ever in Cameron, Missouri, come and see us and join the Passion Church family. Visit our Facebook page or our website at passionchurchmo.com to find out more about us. Jeremiah, that's Old Testament. It's on page 1215. I know every Bible's different. I just had to be honoring. <laughs> Jeremiah, we're going to a very familiar portion of Scripture. You've, you've heard messages probably many times preached out of this particular portion of Scripture. But this week, I was convalescing for a few minutes, which is kind of rare in our life, and uh, got to sit beside some still waters. Oh, I understand now what David said. You lead me beside still waters. I, there's something about the relaxation of being near a running brook or a stream. And uh, Colleen was even alluding to that earlier today. And as we were sitting there, the Lord just began to drop this thought in my heart. I'm not exactly sure. Somewhere between there and when I laid my head down that night, uh, the Lord put this passage on me and I started reading it. So if you have your Bible, Jeremiah 18, the first verse. I'm reading out the King James, got the these and the thous. Don't let that throw you. If you got modern English, you'll catch up. The word which came to Jeremiah from the Lord saying, Arise and go down to the potter's house, and there I will cause thee to hear my words. Verse 3. Then I went down to the potter's house, and behold, he wrought a work on the wheels. And the vessel that he made of clay was marred in the hand of the potter. Now that word marred there means spoiled or misshapen. So he made it again another vessel as seemed good to the potter to make it. Now, I was going to go further than this, but the Lord is going to cause me to stretch this out for a couple of weeks. And so today is just the beginning of where the Lord is going to take us. So I'm going to stop reading right there, right now, if that's all right with you. Let me read it out of the Amplified, just for clarity. And the word which came to Jeremiah from the Lord was, Arise and go down to the potter's house, and there I will cause you to hear my words. Then I went down. Now you notice the obedience. Then I went down to the potter's house, and behold, he was working at the wheel. And the vessel that he was making from clay was spoiled in the hand of the potter. So he made it over, reworking it into another vessel as seemed good to the potter to make it. I'm going to stop right there. I'm not sure if we're ready or not, but if you want to throw the, this is the title of our message today, Misshapen. And before anyone gets nervous and say we misspelled it, that is two S's. They're just fractured. Misshapen. Misshapen. I want to talk about that today if we can. But before that, let me, let me give you just a little history on Jeremiah. Can I do that? Jeremiah was called into the ministry as a youth. Don't ever despise someone for their age because God can use youth. 
In fact, most of us, if we had a calling on our life, we discovered it as a youth. I remember uh, coming to the Lord at the age of nine, but by the age of 12, the Lord said, I want you to preach. I was only 12 years old when the Lord called me. And the first thing out of my mouth was, I'm too young. And the Lord said, I didn't ask you about that. (laughs) The Lord answered me right out of the scripture. He says, open your mouth and I'll speak for you. That's the word. So don't ever be intimidated to speak the word of the Lord. God said he'll fill your mouth. God said just be obedient. Jeremiah was a youth. He was trained under, by, uh, under two major prophets of the time, Zechariah and Isaiah. They were his mentors. They are the ones who taught him in the prophetic word. He'd studied under Shaphan in Jerusalem, and his family was of a prophetic order. He served under five kings and wrote First and Second Kings, Lamentations, and the book of Jeremiah. He was known as the weeping prophet and spent his entire ministry without one recorded convert. I can't think of too many pastors who are going to keep coming to church and then got a convert. He's going to eventually get a little discouraged. But this man understood that he was a prophet of God, and even though he was speaking to an obstinate society, he understood that the words that he spoke carried the weight of God and the presence of God, and though he did not see, or certainly there's no recorded uh, uh, converts to his ministry, we do see that he did not give up on the call in his life. So... He's, I want you to understand that what we're reading here in Jeremiah, the 18th chapter, the whole book is written to God's people. It's not written to, to the structure of society. It is written to the people of God who have strayed from the truth. They are blurring the lines of religious and moral truth, allowing the society around them to sway them into a different mindset than what they know to be the Word of God. There are people who have compromised with the one thing God hates the most, idol worship. They are sacrificing their children, some of them, to Baal. Now, we may think, oh, how barbaric. But may I suggest to you that there are modern societies today and we're sacrificing children nonetheless. Nonetheless. There's not a lot of difference between ancient people and the people of 2018 except our technology. Our technology has changed our life, but our moral parameters are the same. Our abilities to be blown by every wind of doctrine are the same. Thank you for streaming with us today. We're glad that you were here. If you want to give in the offering, you can do so by texting Passion Mo to 77977. I only do that because sometimes people don't have an opportunity, and that's their opportunity to give. So let me get back to the message. He's dealing with the people who've compromised their worship. They've compromised in idolatry. 
And young Jeremiah is at times fearful and discouraged by his persecution, by the people he's preaching to, and their opposition to his message. This is why he wrote the book of Lamentations. He is jeered. He's mocked in the streets. At one point, he was put in stocks and stood before the city and made a, a gazing stock or a laughing stock for everyone who passed by because he was preaching the truth. And here he's in a godly nation, a nation that claims Yahweh as their God. But because there's such compromise, the society and the church itself has brought itself to a place where it's persecuting its own prophets. Mm. He's also had his life threatened and been the subject of many death threats as he preaches the message of God. Because not everybody wants to hear the truth. Some would rather believe a lie than to be required to change. It's easier to believe a lie than to stand up and make a change. Who would say amen to that? Mm. And so he's preaching to an obstinate people. These are a people who know the truth, and there's none harder to reach than someone who knows the truth and chooses the lie over the truth. It's no wonder he didn't have any visible or any recorded uh, converts. He is preaching to the most stiff-necked people that in the world to reach. Try to preach and share the gospel of Christ with someone who's in a backslidden condition, who is there out of rebellion and doesn't want to hear the truth. It's much easier to preach Jesus to the world a whole lot easier to preach Jesus to those who've never truly heard the message because the message is intriguing and it opens up doors and it opens up things into their understanding that they've never known before. But someone who knows the truth and has perverted that truth and is masking that truth and is obstinate and rebellious to that truth is another ball game. Is this too hard already? So... The Lord tells him to go down to the potter's house. <laughs> I love it. Don't you love it when the Lord gives us an illustrated sermon? God is full of those, and the Bible is full of those, and Jesus was the master at illustrated sermons. And so he's giving this young preacher an illustrated sermon. He says, I want you to go down and watch the potter make pottery. And so he goes down to the potter's house and he watches. I don't know if there's anything more fascinating than to watch a, a, a potter or a blacksmith or a glass blower. Don't you just love to go down to Silver Dollar City and see all that stuff? And <clears throat> here a craftsman is working his craft with the clay of the earth. And he's building for Young Jeremiah, the prophet, his man, a picture of himself. God is showing Jeremiah how he deals with man. How many understand we are from the clay of the earth? God took dust from the earth and formed a man. And so he's giving him an illustrated sermon 
of the craftsmanship and the intention of the Father. I'm already shouting. How in the world did I get into shouting already? So he's down there having an illustrated sermon, and while he's watching the potter, the Lord speaks to Jeremiah things about the people of God, the church, and the nation. And he illustrates three things. God's intention as the creator. How many understand God has a will for mankind? God has a plan for mankind. Hmm. Hmm. And he's showing young Jeremiah, I'm God. And like the potter, I am skilled at what I do. And like the potter, I've got an image in mind of what I want you and my people and the church and my nation to pay attention to. The second thing in his illustration is he's teaching Jeremiah about man's rebellious disregard for the law of God. And then the third thing he teaches him is God's desire that even when man gets misshapen, God has a desire to start again. Woo, that, I don't know, that does something for me right there. God has a desire to start all over again. You know what that tells me? No matter how junky I allow my life to get, God's got a better plan. And he's had it all along. And all he needs is for me to be compliant for a minute, for him to do something great in my life, with my life. Mm, I don't know if that excites you, but that gets me excited. I could run through a troop, leap over a wall right now, because we came here to help people win by reaching them. Mm. <laughs> so, that brings me to the next thing I want to talk about. Show us the next screen. Oh, my goodness. I don't know who this was, but this potter really had problems because this has already been fired. <laughs> that is the way it will never change. That is the way this clay will always be. But I just wanted you to get an idea of just how misshapen it can be. You know, uh, this was eventually, this was originally a taller vessel, you can tell, and it had a nice smooth uh, edge around the top here. But, but look at it now. Woo, that'd be some rebellious clay right there. That'd be some rebellious clay. You can go back to the first picture if you want. So, so where's the clay? In this picture, God is showing young Jeremiah, I'm God. These are my hands. Where's the clay? Well, the clay is right there between the hands of God. I want you to understand, even the world is between the hands of God. God hasn't taken his hand off of the world. His intention is to reshape it, remold it, remake it, turn it into its intended purpose. All of mankind. 
But he, this message is being brought down to the church because the church has left its first love. So where is the clay? Well, number one, it never left the wheel. It is always between the potter's skillful hands. And the YHWH, or we pronounce it Yahweh, our God, is the potter. And we, his people, are the clay. I know I'm bringing this down to its most simple terms, but I want us to get this today before we leave. But when the clay becomes marred or spoiled or misshapen while it's in the potter's hand, it speaks very accurately about the will of man. This is a lesson about the will of man. God has a will, God has an intention, and God has a purpose. Next screen. But the clay has a will of its own. Now, you know, that's not such a pretty thing right there. I can't imagine anybody in this house, unless your grandchild made that, or your little Jimmy or your little Susie, that you would put that in any place of prominence, right? How many of you would have loved to get that in a white elephant gift at Christmas just so you could repurpose it to somebody else and re-gift it later? This says something to me about the will of man. The Father has a purpose, a plan, a design for our lives, and each of us are uniquely designed by the Father's will. Take your finger, poke it into your person, here, 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 <laughs> and, and say to yourself, I'm uniquely designed. Your fingerprints prove that. Even identical twins don't have the same fingerprints. Mm. You're uniquely designed. There's only one Ryan. There'll only be one Ryan in the earth. Oh, now that wasn't right. <laughs> Father, heal that back there. <laughs> Did you hear that? Lord, I just pray blessing over my brother. Protect his ears. There's only one Colleen. Thank you, Jesus. Hey, she's mine. I'm, I'm good. I'm good. Y'all just immediately went to the wrong place right there. <laughs> I could run down through here. There's only one. There's only one. You're unique. And God needs you, wants you, and has a, had a plan for you from before you were born. Hmm. We are uniform in God's intended design. Now get this. Even though you're unique, we are uniformly designed in the morality and the spiritual law and worship of God. That's where we're alike. God wants, even though we're different and we might have different expression, what God wants is for us to conform to his standard of right and wrong and his standard of sin and the refusal of sin and his standard of worship. So even though you're unique, God has an intended design for you. And uniquely gifted and purposed for use, we're uniquely gifted and purposed for use in the Father's will. So vessels for one thing are made and vessels for some other thing are made, but all are needed in the potter's design. 
There's a scripture that says that some vessels are made for honorable things and some vessels are made for common things. And the, the vessel made for something common shouldn't be jealous of the vessel that's made for something more noble or more seen or more out front because it is, it is no more important than the one that's made for common things. It's just they have a different purpose in the Father's design. So we're all unique in the Father's purpose. And that scripture bears out that the vessels often rebel at their intended use. Romans 9.20, and we'll read that here in just a moment. But Romans 9.20 gives us a picture of a vessel that has decided to come off of the potter's wheel. And even though it's got the Father's design, uh, in the original language, some interpretations say it this way. He says, why have you made me so? But in some of the original uh, uh interpretation, it is a pot arguing with the potter, where's my handle? You gave that vessel a handle. And I have no handle. Where's my handle? Now think about that. The creation arguing with the creator. You did it wrong. Where's my handle? Where's my spout? Sorry, sorry, it was just there. I had to do it. <laughs> so, so the clay becomes misshapen in the potter's hands. And, and we all know someone that at one time served God with great enthusiasm, but now they're distant, not close to God like they once were. We've all known somebody who was on fire for God, and then suddenly they weren't. Now remember, where are we positioned? Between the Father's hands. Between the potter's hands. Mm. Oftentimes people who have distanced themselves from God are a vessel that are now out of shape. Let's just say all the time. They're no longer compliant or pliable, and they're not usable in their current condition. Seriously, what use is that? It's not even really a good pencil holder now. Paperweight would be about it. But who wants to be a weight? Wouldn't you rather be mobile? Wouldn't you rather be usable? Wouldn't you rather be able to be filled up? Wouldn't you rather be, be something that's not just a, a gazing stock? Something to look at and go, what? What? Really? And so, because of man's ability to have free will in his life, we often try to pull ourselves off of the potter's wheel by our own will. Mm. So what causes a vessel to misshapen? Can I give you some suggestions? Are you ready? Fear. Just as the things taking shape, something will come along that brings fear to you. What if? Mm. Self-will. 
I don't want to do it that way. I want to do it my way. This one's big, tragedy. Because most of us don't know how to handle tragedy. And we don't know what compartment to put it in. Because when you come to God, we've sold people the understanding that when you come to God, everything becomes fairy tale. No, you're still living in the here and now. You're still living in what has fallen apart. You're still living in a society that, that doesn't regard God. You're still living under a curse. You're still living in a land that has been cursed. The only reprieve we have is that Jesus Christ has lifted us out of the curse, but it doesn't keep us. The Bible tells us very clearly that it rains on the just and it rains on the unjust. And the same as a person in the world who does doesn't have any regard for God, can go through a tragedy in their life, so can a child of God. It's how we handle that tragedy that determines whether we stay a vessel between the Father's hands or something misshapen right in His presence. Temptation can misshapen us. Being forsaken by a loved one or a friend can misshapen us. Anger can misshapen us. Weakness can misshapen us. You think you have any weakness in you? How many know you have a weakness in you? Don't raise your hand now. Stop that. How many know that if the right amount of pressure is applied to your life, a weakness will show up? Hmm. Anyone here ever been through failure or a lack of faith? It'll misshapen us. Impatience persecution, sin. I could spend a lot of time on each one of these. I just don't have the time today. Depression, rebellion, believing a lie, sickness and disease. It can misshapen us from the intended will of the Father. And we, the clay, if we resist his desire, his design, his intent, and his purpose. We use our weakness to take shape as an excuse to blame God, the potter, of his mishandling of our lives. Let me let that sink in for a minute. We have a tendency when something doesn't go right or we get in one of these circumstances that I have just read to turn and blame the hands that are trying to shape us because we decided this wasn't fair, this isn't right, that didn't feel good. And suddenly we start blaming the Creator for our misshapen attitude, our misshapen life. When we no longer head towards the will of God, we find ourselves in a place of weakness that pulls us into the misshaping of our lives and then blame God for the mishandling of our lives. We say to the potter, you're unfair. You're cruel. You're out of touch with humanity. You're old-fashioned. You're too hard. You're not needed. Then a misshapen vessel decides, you know, I've got this. I'll order my own life and my own destiny. Who needs God anyway? 
Flip back to the first screen. And we go from this, now she switch it. We go from this to that in a moment. Thinking this is in better shape. Thinking that is a better vessel. I don't need God. I don't need his rules. I don't need his plan. I don't need his purpose. I got this. And we look like something that was shaped by a kindergartner on a disco dance floor. I had to throw in a light moment. You were looking heavy. Think about that vessel. It's not really attractive. It's not really too usable. It has very little capacity to hold anything and very little purpose. Yet often, I'm talking about those inside the church. Can you imagine what the world looks like? But we inside the church often would rather go for that than to follow God in completion and let him complete in our life what needs to be completed. We like to make up our own rules for love and morality. We like to worship at the altar of self-will because we think we know better than the potter how to shape and purpose our own life. Romans 9.20 says, Who are you to tell, tell the Creator you? Why did you make me this way? Who are we, the creation, to tell the Creator? You didn't give me a handle. Since you didn't give me a handle, take that. I wish I had something here that I could play with some clay. You put the handle on the wrong side, even though you could turn it around. You didn't give me a spout. You gave them decorative dips. I don't have a decorative dip. Come on, I know this is silly, but I'm doing it for a reason. So we'd rather, instead of accepting what he's molding us into... Take matters into our own hand and shape our own life to look the way we think it should look. Because we misshapen from our own weakness. And we want to blame God and any and all tragedy of life that comes our way upon the potter. When the first man, Adam, the, the creation, chose to purposely misshapen himself by simple temptation, he threw all of mankind out of alignment with God's order, out of God's structure, out of God's intent, out of God's will, and out of God's purpose. And the whole of mankind has been misshapen and out of alignment with God's design. But thank God for the second man, Adam, Christ Jesus, who has redeemed us from the curse of self-will. By providing a new will and testament of grace and mercy. And all it takes to bring a misshapen life back to proper alignment is faith in the one man who wouldn't let sin, heartache, tragedy, death, sickness, disease, fear, 
failure, false religion, legalism, societal pressure, loss, or self-will keep him from his mission in God. He wouldn't let life misshape him. And he wouldn't let life rob him from completing the Father's desire, will, or purpose for his life. And he bought for us the right for a second chance. Go back to the first screen. He bought for us the right for a reshaping. He bought for us the right for a second chance and a third chance and a fourth chance. And as long as I keep coming to him, there's always a chance in God that whatever's gotten misshapen in my life and out of order can be put back. (laughs) Wow, 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 wow. Mm. So, the fact that Jesus wouldn't let life misshape him and he bought for us That second chance. I want you to know I can do it. You can do it. I don't have to get misshapen in the middle of God's will. I don't have to get self-willed. I don't have to let my weaknesses prevail. I don't have to let temptation talk me off of the potter's wheel. I don't have to, even though I'm still between his hands, I don't have to resist the pressure of the potter. Sometimes we don't like the way the pressure feels. We're under pressure in this life, yes. But it's the shaping of the Father. Because when he's done, you're going to be a a vessel of honor. You're going to be a vessel that's useful and handy in his hands. A vessel that he can proudly display on his shelf. His intention for you is for you to be a masterpiece if we don't resist and we don't get misshapen. We can be useful to God and all of those who come in contact with our life. If I'm between the Father's hands, then He's got me where He needs me. So even if I get misshapen, He can start again. Even if I get out of shape, He can start again. If I let him apply his touch, the right amount of pressure, his shaping and working to add or to remove from me what he deems necessary for my completion, if I'll just stay on the potter's wheel, ladies and gentlemen, I win. If I'll just stay in this thing called Christianity and not give up and not get disgruntled and not get downhearted and not get depressed and not let the enemy run roughshod over my life and talk me out of the shaping that God is doing to me. In the end, I'm going to look like a vessel of honor. In the end, he'll say, well done, thou good and faithful servant. When it's all said and done, I'll be something that he's proud to point to, just like he did with Job when the enemy came and was bragging about how many people he'd corrupted. He said, oh, have you thought about my pottery over there? called Job. Take a look at his life. And the devil did everything he could to misshapen Job. Only in the end for him, 
to not only win, but to regain the blessing of the Father. And over and over and over, the blessing of the Lord was added to his life for the remainder of his years. Mm. So, <laughs> next week I want to talk about God's repurposing of our lives. The repurposing of our lives. Hey, I did good. Father, I thank you today. And even though this message is very simple, Father, it's very profound in that so often, Father, we don't realize that life is misshaping us or that our, our own personal will, Father, has gotten in the way or that some tragedy or some heartache has caused us to get into a rebellious stupor, Father, where we stop being compliant to the hands of the potter. And so many of us, Father, want to get off of the potter's wheel and quit. But today, we seek your face. Today, we, the children of the Most High God, don't want to be misshapen vessels. We don't want to be something that's ugly and out of shape and not useful, Father, to the kingdom. Our desire, Father, is to become a vessel that can be used, that you can pour out of or into at any time. A vessel, Father, that can be used for its intended purpose to be a blessing to someone else. Our desire, Father, is not just to receive, but to give. Our desire, Father, is to stay on the potter's wheel between the pressure of your hands while you shape and mold our character, removing and adding to us what we need to make us complete. We're not going to argue with you, Father, over handles or the lack thereof. We're not going to argue with you, Father, why another brother is in a different shape than we are in. We're not going to argue, Father, over things that are of no eternal value. But that we would stay upon the potter's wheel. That we would allow our lives to continue to be shaped by your moral code and your moral law. That you, Father, would govern us into the the, the rights and the wrongs of our life, the sin issues, Father, that we would adhere to the things that your word canonizes, Father, and tells and plainly lets us know. And the secret things written upon our heart, the word, Father, that no other man can read, but it is upon our heart that lets us know when we're right and when we're wrong. That inner conscience of the Holy Spirit that leads us into all truth. Father, we want to pay attention to those things and not become misshapen because something didn't go our way. We want you, Father, beyond everything else. We don't want to be misshapen. We want to be exactly the vessel you would have us to be. So we ask you, Father, today, Apply the right amount of pressure to my life. Reach down inside of me and make me stand taller. Like a good potter, Father, cut away the unnecessary stuff that keeps me top-heavy or bottom-heavy. Cut away the things, Father, that are unessential in my life. Apply the right pressure to the areas, Father, that need 
to comply. And help me as the clay not to let my weakness spoil your plan. I want to go to completion in you. I want to cross the finish line. I want to be a vessel of honor that you can use, something that you're proud of, Father. Something that you can pour into and out of to help someone else. We want to win with people, Father. We want to win with our society. We want to win within the church. We want to win one another. We want to uphold one another. We want to encourage one another. We want to be that vessel. That's a shining example to everyone who comes in contact with us. And we thank you for it today. We thank you for it today. We thank you for it today. Thank you for streaming live with us. God bless you. Listen, don't let life misshape in you. Stay between the hands of the Father. Let him complete the work that he wants to do for you. Because in the end, you win. Stay on the potter's wheel. Don't let the enemy talk you down from the place you need to be the most. Stay with God. Thank you for tuning in. We're so glad you listened to this message today. Our goal is to bring hope, encouragement, and help you win, all while building God's kingdom. At Passion Church, we believe in community. If you would like to partner with us in prayer or giving, then send us a message on Facebook or through our website, passionchurchmo.com. We'd love to hear how God is impacting your life through this ministry.